Good Sunday morning. This is L. W. Adams with Accent Brown Girl. So, this past week was a little rough. Um, not only did we start the new year, but I had lost my brother-in-law. And what makes this death a little bit different than what I'm used to is that he had been fighting, um, well, his, his, I don't even know how to say this, his, his body was declining since he had COVID last Thanksgiving. So each week or other, every other week, something was going on. Um, he ended up being put on hospice and sent home. And it was my sister who was to care for him. So because I work from home, she had asked that I come and spend a few hours with him so she could do part-time work. So I was there between 1 and I'd get there about one thirty to six thirty, seven o'clock at night. So I'd work from home and then I would pack up and go over there. And sometimes I brought my dog Sonny over there because they had a dog, Max. Um, there was a lot of people in and out, so sometimes I'd leave Sunny home. Not very often. My brother-in-law was... The part that was tricky about this whole thing was that my brother-in-law was fully alert. Now, if you work in nursing homes or have in the past, usually people that are put on hospice are all drugged up and... Usually, I'm not saying all the time, but for me, what I have dealt with is they're usually out of it and they're not with you. They're just sleeping to die, in my opinion. So probably put on morphine or Demerol or some kind of agent that allows them to sleep through pain. And it also depends on what they're dying from. It could be old age. It could be a terminal illness. With my brother-in-law, they didn't know what he was dying of, but they do know that he couldn't breathe and his kidneys were shutting down to the point where he was not urinating anymore and they ended up having to cath him towards the last few days of his life. So I had been there, I want to say, a month of going there and helping my sister while she works. I would go in every day, get set up for work. I would take my hour lunch so I had time, get set up for work. She would leave after we chatted for a little bit. I would go into my brother-in-law's room because he was on hospice, so he was in a hospital bed in their master room. And I would say my hellos and that I love him and that I'm just a, a, a earshot away for him to call me if he needs me. And I think by the time I got there, people had visited and come and gone. Um, Some would come scraggling in later, but usually he was tired. And he would have the TV playing and he'd watch TV or he would sleep. So very uh, once in a while, he would ask me um, to adjust him to get the pillow that has fallen from underneath his neck or adjust him a little bit or grab him something. Well, my ex-boyfriend had done us a favor and got us some gummies that were edibles. And my brother 
Bin Laden never has has never done a drug in his entire life. He was a veteran. He was in Vietnam, did 12 years, and he worked on tanks and all that interesting stuff. He was also a post office. He worked on the trucks at the post office. And then he ended up retiring and working. Um, I forgot what the name of it is, but he drove vets to their appointments and he loved that job. And he did this all up until last year before he got COVID. The part that amazes me about this man was that he had such an amazing life and he was such a good man. Everybody that met him fell in love with him. He had that jolliness about him. Now, let me just paint you a picture. He was about six something, a huge man, and not only huge with life, but he was a big guy. He probably, when I, I think he had been like 300 pounds and he had tattoos from the military and he was just, you know, a beard and just like a Santa-like figure, you know, and, but his personality is true what they say. Don't judge a book by its cover because he was the sweetest person on earth and everybody that has met him would say the same. They would say, Arthur, oh my God, he's such a great guy. And everybody that met him just respected him because he had this life about him. He had this fatherly figure about him. He had this uncle figure about him. He had this this uh, brotherly figure about him. To me, I have known him since I was six years old. I was the flower girl in their wedding. And my sister said when I met him, I climbed up on his lap and fell asleep. I was six. Who does that but a six-year-old? So anyways, re fast forward. So my ex-boyfriend had gotten us some gummy edibles. And I had asked them, did you want to try them? It's funny because... When I gave him, I took the gummies and, you know, gummy bears are not that big. So I chopped them up in these little tiny, tiny pieces like slivers. And I said, let's start you off with one. And then if you need more, we'll work your way up. So he started off with one and he did it. So the next day I said, did it do anything for you? And he said, no. I find that hard to believe because if I did a gummy and I have done them before, I get messed up. I am totally messed up. And even off a sliver, I am totally messed up. Now you're talking 300 milligrams each bear. So that sliver was probably about, let's say, 50. So, but the funny part was, is that he said he didn't do anything with him. So I asked him if he had dry mouth and if he was hungry. And he was at that time not eating. He would take a bite and that would be it. But from what my sister said, he ate a whole slice of pizza. So tell me that that gummy didn't help out a little bit. The next day I got there and I had to take care of him. And I was, you know, did my hellos. I love you. I'll be in the next room if you need me type of conversation like I normally do. Um, And he said, hey, can you give me two slices of those gummies? I said, sure. So I'd give them to him and be on my way. Around, 
my sister and I talked often, so I assumed that it just made him comfortable. But I didn't know at that time he had stopped taking his medication because he just didn't like it. It didn't let him eat. It made him groggy or whatever else. I can't remember at all, but he just didn't like the medication. And these were just pain medications as well, just so he wouldn't suffer. So the weed must have been doing something. And it's funny because he would say, can you give me the weed? And I'd be like, they're not weed. They're gummies. It's edibles. But it was cute. So time has passed. And every once in a while, I'd go in there and check on him. How are you? I miss, uh, what are you doing? Okay, are you all set? Do you need something to drink? Do you need something to eat? Okay. I'm in the next room. Once in a while, he'd call my name and ask me to adjust his pillow. One particular day, it was Christmas Eve. My sister had asked that I come and stay with him. So I went in there and he wasn't doing well. Oh, sorry, it wasn't Christmas Eve. It was the day before. So it was Thursday, right? Yes, it was Thursday. Christmas Eve was Friday. So I said to my sister, you probably should do Christmas tomorrow. I just have a funny feeling. So they ended up doing Christmas Friday. And then he made it through Christmas. And did I not know? I'm sorry, I don't know how to talk this morning. I didn't know that he had said I'd be lucky if I make it to Christmas. Well, he did. And he said it was the best Christmas he ever had. And he made it through Christmas. And then he made it all the way to New Year's. I had had a day off and I said, you know what? I'm off today. I sat in the room with him. I talked with him. And we talked about a few things. We talked about, you know, um, let's see. I can't remember because even though it was a week ago, it feels like it was a month ago. We talked about tools. We talked about uh, my business, how I was trying to go to business. We talked about my hair, how I'm growing back my hair. We were talking about um, me going back to the gym and just getting healthy. I don't care if I'm thin. I just want to be healthy. And then he talked a little and then I could see he was tired. So I said, well, I'm in the next room. I love you. Call me if you need me. So I went in the other room and I started to watch TV. Then that was, I don't remember what day it was, but that was a good day because we had a conversation and I actually sat in there and talked to him one-on-one and I loved him. I love him still. He's such a great man. If you would only be blessed to meet him. So then Monday comes and I have it off because it's New Year's. We had gotten from work four day weekend. So I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday off. And that was fine. And I came in and did my normalness and went from there. And I believe that was the day. Sorry, I'm sorry. The days are all crushed together. That was the day I actually sat in there and talked to him. Tuesday comes and I had to work. 
So I did my normal. But I had something going on in my house with the plumber had to come. So I ended up showering early and everything. And I ended up getting there earlier than usual. So I sat and talked to my sister Dawn when I got there. And we talked and we laughed as we usually do. We're a fun family. We love to laugh. We like to pick on each other. And of course, I'm be me being the youngest, I talk a lot of shit. So she leaves. And she says, he slept till noon. It's not normal, but he slept till noon. And I said, well, he probably needs the rest. And she goes, okay. She said her goodbyes to her husband and she went to work. I started to work. I didn't want to work. I hate working, you know, but it's work. And I hear him say my name. So I go in thinking it's going to be the pillow fell or can you give me a gummy or something? So I go in there and he says, I can't breathe. And he's laying completely flat on his back. I can't breathe. And I said, well, Arthur, you're laying completely back, flat. So I grabbed the little remote control thingy that goes to the bed. And of course, he's like, I'm up as far as I can go. I can't go any further. And I say, well, Art, you're on your back. You're not up at all. So I'm trying to figure out this stupid remote to get them up. So first I put his feet up. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't want the feet up. So then I hit the side of the bed and I hit the remote control and I finally get the top of the bed up. Now I'm in panic because he's like, I still can't breathe. And I said, well, Arthur, what can I do? And he says, there's two air. Check the air. Am I getting any air? He said, there's two tanks in the living room. Can you go check? I go look in there. And then I realize he doesn't have any tanks in his room. So I try to adjust his pillow and everything. My sister probably was at work for like less than an hour, maybe even 30 minutes. And I call her, Dawn, I think you should come home. Arthur says he can't breathe. He asked about an oxygen tank. He doesn't have an oxygen tank. And it's a machine that they have that makes air. I forgot what she calls it. A compressor, I believe. So she said, I'll be there in two minutes. Well, she's not two minutes away. But you know when you say, I'll be there in two minutes. It's just a natural answer. When literally it's going to be about 20 to 30 minutes. Because she's in town and I'm outside of town. And you got stoplights and everything else. But those two minutes... This half hour was literally, to me, an hour. I didn't know what to do. And then his eyes rolled in the back of his head and I grabbed his hand and I was, the whole time, I mean, I wasn't in panic, but I inside I was like, what am I doing? I don't know what's going on. Now, mind you, I've been around death before, but this is Arthur. How... Can I help this man? Am I doing something wrong? So I hold his hand and I start talking to him about the show he's watching. And he's just saying, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, well, you're breathing and you're talking to me. 
so you're getting air. I said, Dawn will be here soon. Let me rewind. Before that, I said, do you want me to call Dawn? And he says, I don't know. I called Dawn, obviously. So she finally gets there. And she could clearly see he wasn't doing okay. And she started to bawl and started. She's like, I can't feel a pulse. I can't feel a pulse. And I said, I know. I tried. I looked for a pulse. There wasn't a pulse. But he was breathing. But it was a rapid breath. And she was bawling. And I didn't know what else to do. So I just stood there. So my dog was there. And of course, the dogs. Before she had got there, her dog and my dog kept on trying to jump on his bed. And Sonny, my dog, was trying to get comfortable at the at his feet. It was so odd because I've been there for a month and neither dogs tried to jump up on his bed. You know, it was just odd. So I had to put Sonny away because I knew people were going to be in and out. I knew her children were coming. So I had to go put him in the car just to be out of the way. So I went and put him in the car. Of course, he was not happy with me. And I went back into the house. She asked me to call her son, Patrick. And I called him and I said, of course, you start screwing up on your words when you're you're nervous. So I said, Patrick, he's not breathing. And Patrick's like, he's not breathing. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. He's barely breathing. He's not. Re- he's breathing, but he's. He's having a hard time breathing. Your mom wants you here. He's like, okay. I said, call your brother. He said, okay, I'll be right there. And he, I hung up. And then she asked me to call her, his other son, George. And I called George and I said, hi. And he said, hi. And I said, this is Michelle. This is your, this is Dawn's sister. And he said, hi. And I said, um, Arthur's not doing well. And he said, did he pass? I said, no, he's still here. He's just not breathing well. And he said, can you do me a favor and put the phone up to him? I bring the phone over to him. And he says, hi, dad. I love you. I just want you to know you're a great dad. And I love you very much. And I don't remember all that he said, but it was very touching. And of course, my sister Dawn was sobbing more. I got a little choked up, but I wasn't crying. I still haven't cried yet. So he says, thank you. Um, He goes, by the way, you sound just like your sister Dawn. (laughs) I said, thank you. And I started to talk to him for a little bit. And then I hung up. And I waited and I talked to Dawn for a little bit to soothe her. And she said, I shouldn't, shouldn't have gone to work. And I said, Dawn, it's fine. You didn't do anything wrong. We didn't know. If you'd known, I'm sure you would have stayed home. Don't do that to yourself. Knock it off. And she's like, I know, but you know. I said, nope, you didn't do anything wrong. You're fine. You're here now. Patrick comes in. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to leave and I'm going to let you guys say your goodbyes. And the VA was on their way, I guess, to announce him. 
So I grabbed my stuff, got in the car, and went home. And I called other people as suggested. Well, lo and behold, did you know that he lasted the next day and the next day? And I think it was like three days. Or he lasted throughout the weekend. I can't remember. Oh, no, he lasted through the week. He just had, I'm sorry, time is just collided together. He lasted a few days, let's just put it that way. Breathing rapidly, but not with us. My sister said it would freak him out because at night, even though they weren't in the same bed and he was in a hospice bed, she shared the same room. Kind of like a Lucy and Desi type of setup, you know, twin beds in the same room. She said he would sit up and move his hands at night and it freaked him out, freaked her out. I said, I can imagine, you know, and she said he was talking to somebody, but I don't know who he's talking to. Well, we got the call the other day and he had passed between one and six in the morning. We're blessed to have met this man. We're blessed to have known this man. He is a rare breed. I don't think I've ever met a man that is so sweet and so nice and so giving and so caring and so loving and so full of life and just his laughter. I don't remember a memory without him as a child because remember I met him when I was six. So he's been to all the family functions and all the holidays and all the birthdays and anniversaries and the picnics and the uh, family reunions and the summer things and just it's taken me places. And of course I was only nine years older than his firstborn so I was pretty much always with them in the summertime there's so many pictures of us it's just harder for me to watch my sister go through that because she also is the most amazing woman I've ever met and know and love and I adore her so to see her in pain and lose her best friend was probably the hardest thing for me. And I call and I check on her and we laugh and we talk and I tell her to write a book. And she says, the funny things that we think of when your partner is dying and what we go through. She goes, I don't understand how people get through this without laughter. You need laughter. You need to pick on yourself. You need to have humor to go through what we went through. And I keep telling her, you need to write a book. Because some of the stuff that she would say is kind of funny. Was his death funny? No. But think about it. You're with the love of your life after 40-something years. You've seen it all at this point. You're cleaning them in their bed. You're feeding them. You're making sure that they're comfortable. You've seen it all. Not a lot of us these days have a marriage like that. And it be true. And it would be true love. I don't know what I'm trying to say with this podcast, but I am trying to tell you. If you have a great marriage, keep it. If you have a wonderful family, love them. 
L.W. Adams with Accent Brown Girl.